Ellen Keane and you are listening to The D Word, a podcast about disability where I ask my guests the questions everyone is thinking but might be too afraid to ask. This is an opportunity to educate and inform while also sharing our stories like never heard before. There are going to be highs, there are going to be lows, but I am hoping you're going to stick with me throughout this series and become more informed and less awkward when it comes to disabilities. This podcast is made possible by Allianz Insurance, who I am a proud ambassador of. Allianz Insurance has been a proud advocate for para sport and inclusion and has been a long-term partner of Paralympics Ireland for over 10 years. Allianz has been behind me from the start, helping me share my story with the nation. And now they're helping me to share other people's stories too. Without further ado, my first guest is a long-term friend, a retired Paralympic swimmer and the soundest guy I know, Mr. James Scully. Thank you for having me, Ellen. Thanks for coming. How are you? Great. Really good. Yeah. Thank you. So obviously this podcast is about disability and it's kind of... It's kind of an opportunity to educate people and to kind of change perceptions of disabilities. So I just want to ask you a very simple question of what does the word disability mean to you? And do you identify as being disabled or do you use the word? Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. And I think from my own life and and from personal experience that it means different things to different people. So some people are very proud to have a disability. They have a community. They identify with people with similar disabilities and that helps them in their lives. For me, it's just a part of who I am. I don't necessarily say I'm a person with a disability. I'm James. I happen to have a disability and I get on with life as best I can. And where there's barriers, I seek to overcome them, etc. But yeah, to me, uh, disability is just part of who I am. Yes, it's, it's a challenge in life. It means I can't do certain things. But then it also gives me a lot of uh, good opportunities in life, in particular in terms of swimming. Mm, yeah. And so you would never get like offended if someone called you disabled? No, not at all. And and my kind of view on it nearly is that to people, particularly people without a disability, you have to bear in mind that they're not, they mightn't have the experience in it. So they could say a few things that, that could be all, almost offensive or, and they don't mean it. So I always give people the benefit of the debate. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about those offensive things. <laughs> so while we're talking about your disability, can you please just say in your own words, what your disability is, how you came about being disabled Mm -hmm. and how like you would like the medical versus like how you would actually say. Yeah. So like the the medical term, I think there's a couple of medical terms. There's one that's dysmelia. Effectively, in layman's terms, uh, I'm missing certain parts of all four of my limbs. uh, And it's mostly so there's no specific condition attached to it. It's just for, for some unknown reason, when I was in the womb, certain bones stopped developing at different times. And it's not almost as straightforward as some people who might be born with half an arm or half a leg. For me, certain bones developed or didn't develop and then bones further on. So, for example, I've very limited femur bones in either leg, but my shin bones are normal lengths as an able-bodied person would be. So doctors, I think, when I were born, and they still probably are to a large extent, quite confused. There's no reason put forward for why I developed this disability. Um, Some people link it to potentially radiation some people link it to all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff but there's no solid this is definitely this if you know what I mean and did your mom and dad know that you're going to be born disabled I don't know I, I never asked them that question but I'd say I'd say they probably did I'd say if they did a scan it'd be qu- quite <laughs> obvious hold on there's something missing there 
Um, Literally, there's something missing. There's, there's a lot of things missing. <laughs> <a lot> of <laughs> things missing. <laughs> and that's only the physical parts. <laughs> that's so funny because, like, my it's so funny that you've never asked them about it. Because mm. um, I know my parents didn't know I was going to be born disabled, and I literally came out. And my, my mom had like I think she had like KO'd or something after I was born, so she didn't see me. But my dad was the first person to see me, and the doctor, were, the nurse, walked in holding me, and like my arm was like pulsing. So I. I was born the same way as you were with dysmelia. There's, we don't know why. Um, but my dad like looked at me really confused and the nurse was like, oh, don't worry about that. The doctor will be in to sort that out. And my dad literally thought the doctor was going to come in and kind of slip my arm open and a hand was going to pop out. And that's the impression that would give. Like, don't worry, there's a missing arm. The doctor will come in and fix that. It's, um, so, yeah. But it's like an automatic, um, an automatic thing to presume you're going to have a healthy baby. You're mm. going to have like a baby with all 10 fingers and 10 toes and all of these things. And then when it doesn't happen, it's nearly like, oh, how do we make how do we make them like everyone else? And how do we fix it? Exactly. And I think that's something that's, that I often find. And, and look, it, it is what it is. But I often find that people, that's the wrong approach to take disability. It's like, how can we fix you? Or how can we make you fit into society? It's for me, it's the opposite. It's how can society be equal for all? So yeah. not just someone with a disability, someone who might be older, someone who might need other assistance in their life. How can we make a society as accessible as possible? That's my view. Rather than saying, oh, this needs a ramp or this needs special wheelchair upgrades. Well, no, it should have been taught about from the very beginning that everyone should be able to use the same things equally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, going back to kind of like your family and growing up, how how did your family take to your disability? Like you have siblings, so mm-hmm. like were they really protective of you? You are the oldest, um, but like how how did it all work in your family? Yeah, and I, I think they're probably a little bit protective, but no more than like parents are protective over the firstborn it, it, to a large extent as well. But they never treated me any differently. And uh, like my brother and sister, both both able bodied, uh, and I would have played them in the normal way. I would have played with my friends. This is before school, like as a as a toddler or whatever, uh, with them normally wrestling with the brother, all that kind of stuff. That all kids do, especially young 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 boys and stuff, messing around, hanging out of things and stuff like that. Would your mom ever be like afraid? of you wrestling with your brother because your mom's like don't break him any more than he already is disabled she does to a certain point but I, 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 I as a kid I'd exploit that as well and then Luke would be wrestling if I was losing or, and he was doing I'd be like oh mom he's going to injure me and she'd be Jesus Christ don't injure James <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd exploit that to a certain extent yeah you, would you use it to your advantage <laughs> being like Luke hurt me <laughs> not, not in that way but if she came in and she was like oh Luke you're going to injure James I'm like yeah yeah no he is going to injure me um, so but like that's that's only kind kind of sibling rivalry really. And did you ever get like annoyed or angry that they weren't born disabled or that like you were the disabled one? Not really, no. And I've I've never really thought of it in that way actually to be honest. Um it, again, it's just that's the way I see it in, in terms of how I interpret my disability. It's just it's just something I have that they don't have. And I try where possible to not let it determine how I live or how I interact with others. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I'd never feel that way um, in terms of that, no. Um, and what was school like? Did you have to go to a different school? Were you treated any differently in school? Were you bullied? 
School was tricky, and and it was it was a tricky way to get a uh, pathway to get into school. So back in in, in the nineteen nineties, I think uh, the prevailing attitude, maybe the eighties and early nineties, was uh, to to uh, segregate people in terms of they had a disability and their needs were a certain point to put them into special schools, which is is probably a problematic. Uh, well, it is a problematic approach to take because someone like me, who I'd like to say I'm quite intelligent, maybe people might say <laughs> otherwise, but I, I was well capable of of attending a mainstream school. All I needed is a bit of help in physical terms mm-hmm. so I think uh, I was one of the first kids in Ireland to get a special needs assistant to basically do the likes of things carry my bag help with physical manual tasks and stuff like that so it was a rough road but it was probably rougher because no one not many people had gone through that process before mm-hmm. and gotten a special needs assistant but once that was set up I had a normal school life like um, maybe certain teachers might have been overly protective or overly worried but like that's how, is how it is. They might not have had a, a kid in their class with a dis- disability of my nature before. And did it ever stop you from kind of participating in normal kind of school things that happen? Like were you, were you involved in sports? Because <laughs> I, I know a story. Yeah, here, yeah, so no, it's, 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 it's quite a good story. Um, and this is in secondary school, actually. So when I went to Rateau College, um, when I was there to start with, I was only a second year in the school, so and we spent our time at the race course in Fairhouse Race Course. They were good enough to give actually let us set up a school there, uh, and it was effectively out of the tobacco of uh, trailers and certain the whole school and on Wait, race that, days. The, like secondary school was in a trailer park. Well, no, the secondary school was in the race course in the corporate barns. Oh. But when race days came along, like the Grand National, etc., the whole school had to be packed into. Like containers, like truck oh. containers, all the I chairs. I don't know this story. Did you know? No. This is what leads into it. So oh, okay. Obviously, there weren't that many students and there was a hurling blitz on and I was in first year and uh, they tried to round up lads to go and, and do it and stuff like that. And one of my mates said to me, uh, Jack, he said, oh, will you, would you like to come along just for the crack? I was like, you know what? And I was thinking to myself, oh, I'll get off school, I'll get a half day, I won't have to go to, to classes. And I was like, yeah, I'll go along. And then um, we went down and there was literally just 16 people, including me. So 15 guys who could play hurling and me. And we went down to the Blitz and I think there was like four games played and then got to the fifth game and one of the players got injured and he had to come off. And uh, Mr. O'Hare, he he played for Dublin years ago, I think in the 70s in football. And uh, he looked at me and he goes, right, Scully, you're on. And I'm, for, for people who don't know, I, I'm, I'm four foot six now. Back then, I might have been four foot two. Like, I, I've, I can barely walk 100 metres. And he goes, straight school, you're on. And I was like, what do you mean, sir? I, I'm not, I can't be on. And he goes, like, no, you're on. We we 14 players on the pitch now. You're the 15th man. And I was like, what do you mean? And so he goes, right, here's a hurl. I mean, it literally put the helmet on my head. I was like, where am I going to go? And he goes, well, you're on full forward. I was like, full forward, sir, how do I do that? And he was like, just get on the pitch. Have you had, had you ever played hurling before? No, of course not. Did you know how to play hurling? No, I knew the basics, but like, I'm not going to be able to, with one arm, to pick up the, the ball off the ground at hurling. No, no, there is a hurler. There is a hurler at one arm. I don't know what county he plays for, but I know Johnny McGraw would know the answer okay. to this question. I think it's Kerry. It could be Kilkenny. Yeah, but, anyway, but he on. probably has good hips and, <laughs> and, and good balance and two even length legs. It sounds like you're making excuses, um, but anyway, were you well, sweating? Well, I got on. I was a bit confused more than worried, to be honest. And I got on and uh, I was standing up there by the goal and the fullback was looking at me going, <laughs> huh? And then he was looking back at the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper was just shrugging his arms going, 
I don't know. And then uh, it just basically meant no one had to mark me because there was no way I was catching a ball. Uh, our team wasn't good to start with and we got absolutely massacred. Now, it wasn't my fault. I think the ball came down this end of the pitch twice, but it just meant uh, the two other forwards just got flattened every time. The thing is, all you really had to do in that situation was catch that ball and try and like run towards the goal because no one was going to go near you. Yeah, but you have to catch the ball. <laughs> and you have to get to where the ball is coming. So, like, we're you're not talking about intercounty hurling when they can land the ball on a, on, a, on a two cent coin. This is like they whack the ball up the pitch, and normally you have to run fifty meters to get it. So, really, it was just your teammates, though. They should yeah. have, they should have just got the ball to you. Yeah, I think the teammates like they I'll, could I'll have used them. their common sense. Come um, on, no one's going to be tackling or attacking the really disabled kid. <laughs> <laughs> but you also don't want to be like the, the special case that oh, you have to give the ball to James, and then I'd end up falling over myself, and everyone'd be like, oh Jesus, don't look, look away. Look away. Um, <laughs> is that kind of something that you've tried to avoid in your life as well? Is kind of the sympathy case and being yeah. down on and big, oh, we need to give him like extra credit or extra assistance, sort of thing. Big time, yeah. Like, I, it, and look, it's it's another thing, and I think Ireland since when since when I was a kid, Ireland has transformed massively in terms of attitudes towards disability, and it's become way more positive and way more progressive. But there still is that element of kind of a sympathy thing. But I. To me, it's never coming out of a bad place. It's just coming out of someone who genuinely thinks you need an extra hand. And they might ask, they might not ask you, do you need help? They might just assume you need help. And that's, that's something that does annoy me. But again, my approach is always to give them the benefit of the doubt and just politely be like, no, no, I'm actually okay. But I will avoid the situations where people are going to assume. Do you know what my favourite thing ever is? I love going to Ikea and for people to presume I need help and Mm. keep asking me if I need help. And then there's me being like, no, I got it. And I just like (laughs) bend down and lift up all the heavy furniture and like stock it into my car. And they're like, hey, who's going to like build that? And I'm like, I am. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there is that element. And and, and it's the same for me as well in that um, you you want to prove, you almost have a thing to prove yourself. If someone asks, do you need help? It's like, no, 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 I'm actually going to go 150% to prove I don't need help. Even if it's probably you've got half injury, and you're, you're actually taking more of a risk doing it. You're better off just sometimes saying, "Yes, I'd actually like a bit of help." Thank you. Um, like I'm exactly the same. But do you ever get like when you are doing in your like 150 percent mode where you're trying so hard and then you can't do it? Mm. Do you ever get to that point where you can't do it and then you have an absolute tantrum with yourself? And you're so embarrassed. <laughs> and you'd be like, yeah, no, I can do that. Or you could, I can go down the stairs and then you fall down the stairs and everyone's like, uh-oh. And it's like, yeah, my bad. <laughs> At least I tried. <laughs> and then you just jump up as quick as you can, even if you're like actually in pain. And you're like, yeah, no, no, I'm fine. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> You've defended it didn't happen. It happens like when I'm tired as well. Like I'm trying to do like a million and one things in one go and I don't want anyone to help me. And then it could be something simple like I drop a glass hmm. and it smashes and I will like melt down I will absolutely <laughs> melt down and it's just because I know like obviously if I was tired and I had two hands there's a likelihood I probably would have dropped that glass anyway mm. but I automatically go to blame my disability and I'm like if I had two hands that wouldn't happen yeah no I, I'd be the same on that yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of back to your youth were you ever bullied? Actually, no. And I, I'll confess that I actually was a bully in in, sec, in primary school. Scully. And the guy is actually one of my best friends uh, at the moment. Now, he reminds me on a weekly basis. Good. Uh, and, and rightly so. No, I, and I'm not proud of it. Like, What did you do to him? I just excluded him from the group. He, he came into the school and I, and, and I had my group of friends and I was like, I, 
I felt threatened that he was coming in and going to take my friends. So, um, Do you know, I was kind of like that with, because um, I went to boarding school in England after third year. And I, because I was the only Ellen in my group of friends. And then after I left, a new girl came in and mm. her name was Ellen too. And all my friends started being friends with her. And I was so annoyed. I was like, I'm paying for a place by another Ellen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous kind of the things that you get into your head. Um, but you're you're still friends with all Still of really friends. good friends. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've capped like that's quite rare. It is, yeah. Like most of well, all my nearly group of friends would be friends from from primary school, and like my best friend Jack, he's we were best friends on day one of junior infants. Ah, so we've been friends for best friends for what's well, that? Twenty five years. Yeah, and it's crazy. That and shows how have, <laughs> oh god, how have they taken to like your disabled life? And do they just get on with it? Do they tease you? Do they? Do they say really inappropriate things that if they weren't your friend, they couldn't get away with? Oh, of course they do. Yeah, like, and, and that's just a natural thing of of, of the, my friends and, and a lot of lads groups as well. Like, but it it I, I I enjoy it in a way that they they don't treat me any differently. Yeah. So like, if if it is, there's some of our friends that 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 are bald, we slag them over that. If it, me sometimes they call me hop along scully. Like it's it's just kind of these little inappropriate, but. They're done again in, I won't say loving because then I'll be slagged off for saying that, but they're done in a way that it's like, yeah, yeah, you're one of the lads. We're not going to treat you any differently. Yeah. But they're not doing it in a mean or hostile way. They're just pointing out like, oh, James isn't going to get up those stairs. (laughs) And when they say it, people who aren't used to that are appalled. And you can see, and that's my favourite thing to do is when they say it, I'll pretend to get appalled once I see people getting appalled. And they'd be like, how dare you say that? You cannot say that. And I'd be like looking sad. And they'd be like, look, you've offended me. And they'd be like, no, no, he's not offended. He's not offended. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm offended. Actually. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, so what, what do you think like Ireland is like in terms of accessibility? Because as you said, it is kind of a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to rate, obviously with swimming and living your life, you've travelled around, you've seen parts of the world. How would you rate Ireland on the accessibility scale? I think Ireland's quite good. Okay. Um, in terms of infrastructure and, and physical barriers, not so great. I think a lot of Dublin is quite poor in terms of like footpaths, in terms of cobblestone. There's stuff that cobblestone's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. But like footpaths, a lot of the times I'll see even footpaths redone and they've just ignored, completely ignored. And it's not just for someone in a wheelchair. It could be someone, someone who's not great with their legs, someone who has cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. It could be a visually impaired person. It could be someone with a, a, a condition like autism where they could be, they could have, find it very difficult in certain situations where there's a lot of bikes flying around, a lot of cars. So a lot of the times, the common sense thing doesn't always hold true. But I think where Ireland is really strong from, from being in other countries is attitudes. The Irish people are, and this goes back to a certain point and where you were talking about people will, uh, offering a hand and stuff. Mm-hmm. Irish people are more conscious of people with disabilities in that if you need a hand, people will help you. Mm-hmm. And I noticed in Brazil, very same. But yeah. then when I went, for example, to France, <laughs> like you're <laughs> almost a, a barrier. You're almost an obstruction. If you're in a wheelchair going slower, if you're frail or infirm, you're in the way mm-hmm. and like it, it and people get sometimes a little bit irritated which which is kind of a, a, a upsetting to me because it's, hold on I can't prevent this whereas you come back home and Irish people are always like if you went up to someone in the street and you go could you give us a hand up to the thing 
I'd say 99 out of 100 people go, yeah, no bother, I'll give you a hand. Yeah, they do so, it straight away. Yeah. And I really, really like that in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. I also kind of find that like there's just so accepting of, okay, whatever. This is how it is. Yes. Move on. And like they'll go, like they'll, they, the Irish people nearly get embarrassed that they didn't think of it before. Like if you, there's no ramp into a shop or mm. something, they'll be so embarrassed. Um, so it's good. Yeah, no, I, I, I like it. It, it the, the story from the aquatic centre as well, where... What's the story from the aquatic centre? When I was in the... was one time coming out of training and I was just in the showers and there was a, a young kid. And often for someone like me, especially with, with like a moderate to fairly... With, or a very obvious disability, kids will point and stare and, and sometimes laugh and giggle, mostly because they don't know any better. They haven't seen this before. And they're, they're like, oh my God, daddy, disabled person. And they shout it out in the car park. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> and then the parents are mortified going, Jesus Christ, stop pointing. Um, but um, uh, one of the times I was in the shower and there was a kid right across in the other cubicle and just staring. And I was like, oh no, here we go. And he was like, da, da. And he kept shouting. And I was like, oh no, something, something wildly inappropriate is going to be said here. And the dad came in. And he was like, what, what do you want? We're, we're in a rush. And he goes, that man's really small. <laughs> and then the dad just looks over at me, looks back at him, goes, you're bleeding small. Come on. And But that actually was really good because in the, you could see in the kid's head, face, it clicked. And it was like, actually, yeah, I'm small too. Now, obviously, he's going to be a hell of a lot taller than me. When well, you never know. Well, you never know. <laughs> but uh, but like, it, it was good that, that I liked that attitude from the dad that he came in and was like, yeah, he's small. You're small. Who cares? Get on with it. Yeah. And we're in a rush. So... Get out of the shower. Yeah. What about like, like have, because I know kids can make life very awkward sometimes with that situation. And then, because when I was growing up, my mom would have always been like, oh, it's the way God made you. And mm. obviously Ireland is so different than it was when I was a kid. And you can't just assume that people are religious. They believe in God, all these things. Mm-hmm. So when a kid comes up to me and they're like, what happened to your arm? I panic mm. so much because I don't know what to say. And I'm like, if I say the wrong thing here, I could absolutely scar this child's mentality <laughs> for a very long time. And they could be terrified. I could make them terrified of something. What do you actually say when a kid asks you what happened? I just say I was born like this. Yeah. Uh, and, and and that's, it's a basic answer, but it's enough of an answer that makes it quite simple. And especially for a young kid, I was just born like this. And that almost... Not closing off the conversation, but it's not like, oh, how does that work? Or why? Or all these. It's like, I was born like this and that's it just is what it is. And then it kind of reinforced the message that some people just have this. Yeah. Some people acquire an injury and some of the stories of that are obviously quite distressing at times yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. for me, I just keep it really simple. It was like, like they ask, oh, why are you small? Like, some people are small. They're just born small. You obviously, I asked you to be one of my guests because you're obviously so confident and you're so outgoing and spoke, and you're great at speaking. How did you get here, do you think? Do you think it was sport that helped you the most? Or do you think it was a combination of sport, the people in your life? Because I do know your friends. Your friends are bananas. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you cope with them sometimes. <laughs> but I actually think if you didn't have friends that were that intense, you wouldn't be the person you are. Yeah, and I, I'd fully agree with you. I think it's a, it's definitely a combination of things. Like it's it's a, my parents play a huge part in it, but just not treating me any differently mm. by always encouraging me and pushing me in a lot of ways to do things that everyone else would do to get into sport. And my parents were instrumental in getting me into sport. And it didn't start with swimming, as you know. It started, I think, started with wheelchair basketball, and uh, I used to jump out of the wheelchair with the basketball. So. 
obviously not for me kicked out of basketball (laughs) don't do basketball trains so switch on to different sports so but like my parents hugely hugely important in that journey again yes my friends and it was all these people and this is what gave me the confidence well actually nearly almost the swimming gave me the confidence but having people that never treated me any differently allowed me to have that opportunity to develop confidence Mm. and then once I got into swimming that was an opportunity for me to express myself Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to be able to go and do dancing or I'm not going to be able to don't even don't even try it no I'm looking at James weirdly now because like I like watching it (laughs) I like watching it but I don't like I I, I, no way would I do it um but but even like that's just a that's just a random example um but the swimming allowed me to express myself so it's like yes I have a disability but I can go off, I can train as hard as any able-bodied person and I can get up on the world stage and compete and win medals. So, and that made me, to me, that was really important to my identity and that created my identity. It was like, I'm James first, disability seconds. Mm, yeah, I think we're a bit biased as well because we are both swimmers, but swimming is the one sport that you really don't need any... Obviously, you need to learn how to swim mm-hmm. first. But once you know how to swim, you don't need any equipment. Re- yeah. Like, obviously, when you're training, you have your fins, your paddles. But you don't actually, there's no restrictions on swimming. You don't yeah. need fancy prosthetic legs to swim. Mm-hmm. You don't need anything fancy to swim. You just hat and goggles, swimsuit, in you go, sorted. And it's really inclusive it's from that perspective, first of all. And second of all, that there's so many categories that people with very, very sub- severe and substantial impairments can also compete. Like, the people in the S1 category have have very profound disabilities, mm-hmm. but they race against people of a similar level of impairment, and that again gives them the opportunity to compete at the highest level. Do you think it's been important to you to be kind of in the Paralympic world, to be surrounded by people with disabilities, to kind of feel like you have a community? Because I know when I started. I didn't know any disabled people and Mm. that's how I met disabled people. Like there wasn't any disabled people for me to look up to. Now it's changing. Now there are disabled people in media a lot more. Still not 100%, but that was kind of the only outlet I had to have a community. Um, Do you think it's really important to have people that you can compare yourself to and not... Normal is the wrong word, but yeah. I'm going to use the word normal to mm. normalize your life, really. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, no, you're right. It is really important, and being especially not only being exposed to people, other people with disabilities, being exposed to people with a similar level of disability, and particularly for from my personal perspective, people with quite well, not quite severe, but in the moderate range in terms of swimming terms, people with uh, disabilities like mine, and they'd have multiple limbs affected mm-hmm. and they're just getting on with life they have jobs they have families they have kids they, they do what everyone else is doing and to me that's that's important and knowing that because otherwise if you took out the people with disabilities I met through swimming it'd be a small enough group that I'd know of you'd of know me people. from the bubblegum club I'd know you from the bubblegum <laughs> club you probably never would have talked to me because you would have always known of me as the angry man yeah uh, so um, but yeah no you're right there would have been a couple of people and true reach as well I, I, I would have known a few people but not that many. Any of the lasting friendships of people with disabilities is true swimming. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now we're going to go a little bit more personal. <laughs> um, what about relationships and finding love? Because I know you do have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't met her yet, but I, well, I hope to one day meet her. That'll yeah. be Sophia. Um, how has it been trying to find love and navigating the world of love? It's tricky. Uh, and again, it goes back to these assumptions. A lot of people hold that they might give you the chance to prove yourself. 
So like for, for me personally, I'd never judge someone on their physical attributes. It's it's about, you fall in love to me with the personality. You fall in love with someone because you really like who they are, what they're about, what their values are. Now, obviously, you have a physical attraction. That's that that's that, that's a factor for, for most people. But um, unfortunately, yeah, a, lot, a lot of people, and I think it's an age thing, like when I would have been on like the likes of dating apps or in secondary school trying to find out, I wouldn't have done very well. You go to like a disco or something like that and people can't even see you because <laughs> you're below everyone else so far. But um but then I found as, as like you go in day and then the older you get a little bit, these assumptions start to fade away to a certain extent that people become more mature and they're also values aligned. Like a lot of people when they're young, they want someone because they're good looking mm-hmm. and they want someone, oh, that person's really good looking, they're really fun or they're really popular. To me, I found that that they become less important attributes as you get a little bit older. Not to say I'm really old, like I'm still only 29. But um, but yeah, no, the, the dating and relationships can be very tricky. But I found that once... I'm, I have the opportunity, I can show the values I have. Yeah. You've navigated the world of dating mm-hmm. and dating apps. Have you ever hid your disability on dating apps? Like, how did you go about that? Um, well, I've never I've never hid it purposely because uh, it's, it's pretty impossible for me to do. <laughs> well, you just have loads of selfies. Yeah, I've... I, hmm. I you definitely you, did. <laughs> I suppose you could say I, I didn't mention it to start. Okay, but then once I've been talking to someone for even a bit of time, and you're you're having regular chats, then I bring it up. Mm-hmm. And would you be sweating? Um, Bearing in mind, this podcast is also for people to relate to. Yeah, I, I would be. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Well, look, it's the fear of rejection is is, is a yeah. natural fear, and then 100%. If, if you think someone's, if you tell someone you have a disability, and then they unmatch you. Like it's that's that's extra awful. Isn't like it? that happens lots on dating apps, mm. and you'd be talking about stuff, or they they or they'd say, "Oh no, it's no big deal. Oh, that's cool," and and then the conversation just dies. And you know, and, and you know well because you've been going for a really strong conversation mm. previously, and as soon as you bring that up, it ends. So, and that's 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 disheartening to a large extent. Mm-hmm. So, but, how do you um, deal with that though? Like, because obviously that's traumatic to anyone mm. because it's something about you that you can't change something about you that you obviously it doesn't bother you but knowing that it bothers other people and it could be the reason that you are alone or you can't find someone yeah how do you how do you turn that back around and like I think there's two sides to it in, in one sense it it helps you develop a tough skin yeah so I'd, I'd be not immune to it like obviously it, it, it is disheartening and stuff like that on the flip side, for someone to reject you on the base of your disability, they were never meant for you. Like if they're if they're that insecure in themselves or or just not comfortable with someone with disability, then your your a relationship or even even meeting up with them was never going to last to start with. So they're not worth your time and attention. That's, so that's the way I'd see. You it. nearly see it as a thank God I know that now. That in a they're way, not the sort of person I want to be with. Yeah. yeah after a while, like the initial reaction is like, oh right, this happened again. Yeah. Uh, but in 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 the long term, like you're probably better off. Yeah. And have you ever had any like weird? Uh, experiences have you not too much no I think there is a weird world out there there is a weird some world people like disabled people a little bit too much mm. <laughs> it's an evil world we live in yes um, but uh, no I think I think now I could be wrong and this is maybe me making wrong assumptions that it's the other way around of that attitude towards women with disabilities okay I think it's more of a kind of a, a fetish, fetishization of disability from men from men mm. to women 
I haven't found anything the other way around. Okay. So you um, haven't had any weird no ladies no not weird telling ladies. you how mm. much they like I don't know no your height no <laughs> no, no, no not me because um, I remember when I was on dating apps for one I did I did kind of contemplate whether or not I hide my disability or not mm. and then I decided no I'm not my first photo is obviously just going to be my face because yeah. that's what people see when they first see you is your mm. face because I remember I had my first boyfriend I met online and I had to kind of tell him that I was disabled mm. and I was sweating. Absolutely scariest 10 seconds of my life. He didn't care. But even like when you're meeting the person for the first time, they've already said that they don't care. Mm. Are you are you sweating? And oh, terrified. Yeah, terrified. Yeah, 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 absolutely terrified. Yeah. Luckily, any of the dates I've ever gone on and meeting someone, especially on online apps, mm-hmm. I've, I've, it's it's just happened. Maybe it's just coincidence that I've been talking to for actually quite a long period of time and we've talked about the disability issue extensively. Because mm-hmm. usually I find for me that once you bring up disability, either they get freaked out and the conversation dies or they're actually kind of interested, not in a, not in a weird way, but they're interested. In, it's like, oh, wow, that's actually quite interesting. Um, and uh, like, tell me more about that. And then by the time you meet with them, they're yeah. actually more comfortable. But just, I'm still terrified. Like, Yeah, yeah. If... Like, I don't want to, like, make this a gender thing. Mm. But do you think girls or boys are more understanding? Because I know you're mm. straight, but, like, you've seen... You know guys. Yeah. You know girls. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's a gender that can kind of be a bit more empathetic or just they just don't care? I think, and there, again, there's probably another thing with two sides. I think guys are definitely more immature when it comes to stuff like this. I think w- women, we could be more understanding but I think there's not all women again uh, uh, some women prefer a tall strong guy like mm. a protective guy and stuff like that not all again um, so there's kind of two sides to it if you know what I mean but I think yeah guys probably from experience and knowing lads and stuff probably have a, a more unhelpful attitude towards it like that and do you ever get really awkward questions like if you can have sex and questions around that no I've never had those questions oh really ever, no. really no. luckily I'd, I'd hate to have those questions <laughs> <laughs> I because like even I I remember a question being asked not to me but like to one of my boyfriends to be like oh how does it work and you're like what do you mean how does it work like, that's such a silly question yeah does like she, how does it work with everyone <laughs> yeah the question the response you just think about it for more than five <laughs> seconds and you'll probably figure it out there's, there's loads of different positions yeah. for a reason yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just have to try them out until you figure out what one it is <laughs> um Right, well, we'll leave that and we'll move on. Um, so looking back, uh, what do you wish you knew when you were younger that you know now? Or what would you tell your younger self? Or even if there's parents listening, mm. what would you say to them for their kids? To have confidence uh, and not go into this kind of, let's say, more American style attitude. Of, you can you, do anything. Yes, yeah, that's the worst attitude. Literally, it's the worst attitude. Well, it's not the worst, but it's, 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 it's a pretty poor attitude. You can't do everything. You can't. Like, I am not going to be able to climb Mount Everest. It's not going to happen. No matter how many people go, you go, guy. Uh, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, yeah, also, running. Or, or running, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, my, my attitude would be to be confident, believe in yourself, um, don't set yourself limits. Yeah, do you think like, fear holds back a lot of people? Huge. I Especially think, parents. Huge, yeah. Um, I think uh, the fear and confidence are two things that are, that are everyone takes for granted. 
but it's something that isn't very common amongst people with disabilities. I know a lot of people with disabilities who lack any confidence. They don't believe in themselves. They feel themselves like they, and I won't say a pity party, but a lot of people do, do, and they've, they've gotten stuck in this way that they've never had the confidence to open up or go outside themselves. Or they maybe they, they're just, their life circumstances didn't allow them to. Mm. Uh, they mightn't have had the, the family background, the friends background, the swimming background that I had. Mm-hmm. Like I'm lucky in a lot of ways. Um, that and that's how your personality was allowed to be developed. Whereas 100%. there's people who think, think their personality of, is being disabled. Yeah, like think about yeah. a, a really simple thing. Back to my childhood. If I didn't go to a mainstream school, if I went to a, a special school, I wouldn't be like. There's a high probability I wouldn't have got to where I got today. Mm-hmm. Not to say that that system isn't good. It's really important for people who need that. But for people who don't. And I would have been put there because I would have been too much of a hassle in a mainstream school. Mm. That would have, that would have ruined my life opportunities. Yeah, you should be given the opportunity. And, and that's something small. That's one single yeah. decision to be made at the age of four that affects your whole life. Yeah, um, it's something as simple as your parents deciding not to bubble wrap you. Hmm? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because like you and I know the damage that bubble wrapping your huge, child huge. can like a kid who's not really that disabled because I know me and Scully would would speak in terms of like classification because that's mm. kind of how we gauge how how much a disability affects someone so it kind of range from like S1 to S10 for physical disabilities so like we would know people or know of people in different countries that like when you look at them, they'd probably be like an S8, S9, mm. but their mentality is they think they might be like an S4, S5, or they, because they were bubble wrapped and they were treated as if they were disabled their whole life. Whereas you just need to be treated as if you can do anything and then until it's proven otherwise. Yeah, yeah. And, like and there there is to there is to a point like there there's there's the realistic element to it as well. Like you don't. It, like so people with disabilities and it's based on the nature of some people with disabilities maybe they're not they're not so good in risky behaviour or risky things like um, like if you're in a wheelchair maybe don't go like down a mountain bike trail or something <laughs> like that that kind of stuff like let's be realistic here but um, but like treat if you're a parent there with a young kid with a disability treat them like you would with a non-disabled kid like if they if they're climbing in your in a swing and fall and break their arm okay they broke their arm do you ever Think about who you'd be if you weren't disabled. Um. Yeah, but it. it I. I suppose I do. Yeah. Do you uh, think you would have swam? No. Yeah, probably I don't not. Think so either, no. no. 100% um, I think. <laughs> I, I think if I relived my life, even in exactly the same situation, there's a good chance I probably wouldn't swim anyway. Like swimming is great and all, but like I might not have gone into it, or I might have mm. gone into a different sport or something like that. Um. But yeah, no, I, I think about every, like, it comes into my head every so often. But who do you think you'd be? Do I, you have any idea? I don't know. I think I'd be an absolute disaster. Um, <laughs> I think my disability has actually, like, made me into, like, a proper human being. I think if I wasn't disabled and I'd probably still have the anger. Oh. The um, anger wasn't fully, I think it was just an angry person. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what fueled it, so I could have been an angry person and a lot worse because if I'm angry there and there's a bunch of guys and I'm angry or there's a guy there I'm not going to go up and punch someone because like like it turns into a human pretzel like but like if I was able-bodied you know who knows but like so you're saying basically if you weren't disabled you'd probably be in prison yeah probably (laughs) no 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 it's it's impossible to tell but um, almost certainly I wouldn't have been a swimmer and if you could Mm. would you ever like 
not be disabled? Do you kind of like, if I had a choice mm. right now and I know all that I know now, would I want two hands? No, I wouldn't want two hands. Would you want all your limbs? I would, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also accepted that I am disabled. Mm-hmm, so, yeah. And that's not going to change uh, unless they find the technology, which they're not going to find. Um, but I, yeah, no, if, if you gave me a choice and it's like, would you like to go back and be not disabled? Probably, yeah. But then I mightn't have had the same, I wouldn't have had the same opportunities in life. But then certain other challenges wouldn't exist as well. You know what I mean? I think for someone like me with maybe a little bit of a more severe impairment where like, let's say I drive into town and I actually can't get anywhere because like with with one bad arm, it's struggle. It's a struggle to, to push the wheelchair. What are you talking you about? Down. You get free parking. You get, get free, free parking. You yeah, get free yeah, transport. Yeah. yeah, but then you go down and the parking suddenly disappeared or something like that, or it's full. But yeah, no, I get, I get you. It's a good I'm point kidding, to, yeah. to, to mention. Okay, so it's time for the last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned, I am a brand ambassador for Allianz, who believe we all have the power to write our own future. So this final question is actually from them. Okay. Okay, so if you had the power to write one specific thing into your future, what would that be? Ooh. What would it look like? That is a really good question. I think for me personally, I would like to, and I know you hate the word, inspire one kid with my a similar disability to me to go and do something remarkable, whether it be in sport, whether it be in business, whether it be whatever they want to do, to do something that they didn't think was possible and everyone else didn't think it was possible for them. Mm. Uh, that would be something I'd love to in my lifetime. And even if it's just one one kid with, an eight, with a disability similar to mine and go up and do something that no one thought they could do and, and be there and I did that. And because maybe, look, here's me. You want a little bit of credit? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to be an e- e- egotistic uh, here and, and just say, like, if they saw my journey or saw my story and they were like, no, not to say, it's like, James, what do I do? Like, your own life is your own journey. But if they saw that, oh, this guy could get up and do and swim at the highest level, mm. I can do that. Yeah. To be honest, like, I think uh, I, I get sick of my own voice repeating myself about, like, representation on my arm and things like this and visibility and I do get sick of it but then I do get messages from people with similar disability Mm -hmm. to me from parents and they're the reason I do this and they make it all worth it so that's 100% so so important so relatable Mm -hmm. so great answer thank you James Scully thank you very much for joining me yeah it's been an honour thank you